Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Perhaps you've heard the song by John Anderson. It's entitled, Christmas Time. Bells are ringing, jing, jing, jingling. Santa's on his way, bringing toys to girls and boys with him in his sleigh. Snow is falling, friends are calling, spreading Christmas cheer. It's so nice when Christmas time comes around each year. Or maybe you've watched Charlie Brown and Lucy on a Peanuts Christmas special. You've heard their theme song. Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer. Fun for all that children call their favorite time of year. Christmas time. And all its festivities is also a favorite time of my year. Of course, this year, it was a bit late getting started. Christmas isn't the same in New Zealand, trust me. It's hard to get in the Christmas spirit when a day at the beach and shrimp on the barbie constitute your Christmas celebration. Down under, it's a summertime Christmas. And summertime, even with our temperatures today, are not what I envision when I think of Christmas time. Here's what comes to my mind. Tinseled trees and bright red poinsettias and lights strung across the face of the house and family and friends all getting together and eggnog and fruitcakes, even though I hate them. I still like them being around. 
and church services with festive music, and boxes wrapped with shiny bows. And of course, I always think of the true reason for the season, the Christ in Christmas. Without Jesus, my favorite holiday would certainly be nothing but a hollow day. Usually when we use this phrase, Christmas time, we refer to a season of the year. The duration between Thanksgiving and New Year. And all the holiday activities that get sandwiched into those five weeks. Christmas time is the term we use for the celebration that punctuates the end of our calendar year. But this morning, rather than Christmas time, I want to talk about Christmas time. For over the years, I've noticed that Christmas has a strange effect on time. Christmas time creates a time warp, you might say. It causes a wrinkle in time. It impacts our perception on time. When I was younger, it seemed that Christmas slowed time down. The days leading up to Christmas morning, they took forever. Christmas couldn't come fast enough. I'm sure you've heard the expression, slow as Christmas. That makes perfect sense to a child who's waited 364 long, monotonous, torturous days to once again reach that one magical moment, that one morning when dreams come true and wishes are fulfilled. I mean, time drags on for a kid who's waiting for that morning when he wakes up to an avalanche of toys. You could say that not even a tortoise with a limp is as slow as Christmas. But it's interesting, now that I'm an adult, with kids and even grandkids now, Christmas has a different effect on time. Christmas time speeds time up. Time flies by. After Thanksgiving, most of us get sucked up into that mad dash. It's a sprint to the December 25th finish line. The calendar goes into fast forward. Start decking the halls and decorating the house, purchasing the presents and planning the parties, and time sails by. Not even a jackrabbit on no-dos is as fast as Christmas. Albert Einstein didn't have to do the math to prove to me that time is relative. All he had to do was point to Christmas time. Unlike other holidays, at Christmas, it tinkers with time. It alters our 24-hour day, our seven-day week. Christmas time does strange things to time. This morning, I want to take a look at what happened to time during the Bible's account of the first Christmas. And then I want to challenge us all not to misuse our time this Christmas. You see, the first Christmas began with motion. It then slowed down with the mention of a Savior. It came to a screeching halt with meditation. And then finally, it regained its speed through magnification. Here's a way to chart Christmas time. At first, there's motion. Mention then slows us down. Meditation stops us in our tracks. Finally, magnification gears us back up again. Here's a thought for you. Every Christmas needs to begin fast, but slow down and actually stop, then start up again. Today we'll learn a lesson in Christmas time management. Well, from the very first Christmas until today, Christmas time always begins with a flurry of frantic motion. 
This is how I believe Bethlehem streets, how I picture Bethlehem streets on that night Jesus was born. Jews from all over Israel had come flocking to register for the census. Downtown Bethlehem was congested. The local inn, in fact, had no vacancies. I'm sure people were angry. They were pushing and shoving on that first Christmas Eve in Bethlehem. Probably more so than Black Friday at Walmart. And the later it got, the more desperate for shelter people became. I mean, holiday cheer had yet to become a Christmas tradition. Everyone was looking out for number one on that first Christmas. There were few happy campers in Bethlehem. Trust me, the only smiling face in Bethlehem belonged to the innkeeper. In the 1500s, there was a monastery in London. It was known as as St. Mary of Bethlehem. Originally, it functioned as a hospital, but over time, it was turned into a city-run insane asylum. In fact, at one point, city officials, they charged an admission price that allowed the citizens of London to come in and heckle the inmates. Don't know how that got started. The asylum of St. Mary of Bethlehem became a famous tourist attraction. Eventually, though, the name St. Mary of Bethlehem was shortened just to Bethlehem. Later, it was further abbreviated to Bedlam. And today, the word Bedlam refers to the chaos associated with an insane asylum. Linguistically, the words Bedlam and Bethlehem, they're related, just as they were on that first Christmas. The lyrics that we often sing, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Hey, that's from a songwriter's imagination. Bethlehem was anything but still on the night Jesus was born. It was sheer bedlam on that first Christmas Eve. Of course, today you don't have to go to Bethlehem to experience some bedlam. Like I say, a trip to Walmart or the local shopping mall will prove my point. Between parties and shopping, Christmas is a swirl of motion and turmoil and chaos. Reminds me of the family that got a late start putting up their Christmas decorations The little boy remembering the nativity scene that went there on the mantle in the living room. He asked his mom, he said, Mom, when are we going to set up that activity scene? Well, for many folks, Christmas is more an activity scene than it is a nativity scene. Once two men, they lived in a beach community and they had the brilliant idea of going sailing a few days right before Christmas. Sure beat going shopping with their wives. They were sailing along when suddenly a storm popped up at, the, at sea. The waves began to kick against the boat. Suddenly the boat began to sink. They jumped out of the boat. They started swimming to a nearby island. They had to fight off hungry sharks. They made their way up onto the island. They had to dodge poisonous darts that were being shot at them by the primitives that lived on the island. I mean, it was a wild afternoon. Finally, after ducking behind a rock, one of the buddies, he turns to his friend and he says, Well, today didn't turn out quite the way we planned, but look on the bright side. At least we didn't have to go Christmas shopping at the mall. (laughs) Shipwreck, mall, Christmas shopping. What man wouldn't pick shipwreck? Christmas time can certainly be a stressful time. Did you know that the average American family will spend $801 on gifts this holiday season? And for many families, that's spending that they can hardly afford on their budget. 
You've heard of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Now there's Red Tuesday. It's the day when Americans wake up further in the red or in debt. Some people find themselves months into the new year still trying to pay off their Christmas purchases. I've heard it said, if you don't think Christmas lasts all year long, it means you don't have a credit card. Reminds me of the little boy who went to see Santa Claus, and after going through his long list of requests, his father wanting to teach his son some politeness, he asked him, he says, now son, what do you want to say to Santa? The little kid turned around and shouted, just charge it. And in between all the buying and the charging we do at Christmas time, guess what else we do? Oh, we eat. We eat and eat. We do lots of eating. Here's another stressful statistic. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, the average American gains five to seven pounds. See what you have to look forward to? And then they probably charge the new clothes they need (laughs) on their credit card. Is it any wonder that more heart attacks occur in the months of December and January, peaking between Christmas Day and New Year's than any other time? For most folks, Christmas is a hurried and harried time. Emotional strain and anxiety and loneliness and financial pressures intensify at Christmas time. Did you realize that more nervous breakdowns occur around the Christmas holidays than any other time of the year? And even for the person who knows Jesus... And he's trying to keep all their priorities in order. The celebration of Christmas can still be a time full of hustle and bustle. Notice what Luke says of the shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem, verse 8. He says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And this is what makes Christmas such a busy time for you and me. For even believers in Jesus, what are we doing this time of year? We're trying to keep watch over our flocks. Hey, we want to do some kind deeds for our neighbors. We're looking for our co-workers. We're trying to acknowledge them as well. Our church friends, we hope to help. Certainly our spouse and children are part of our flock. There's nothing wrong with giving gifts and tokens of love to the members of our own flock. We're all looking out for our flocks. And notice verse 9, what happens to the night shift shepherds who keep, are keeping watch over their flocks, we're told. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now notice what happens. They're keeping watch over their flocks, just as you and I are. But notice, God speaks to them. He speaks to them through the angels And these busy shepherds are suddenly slowed down by an angel's visit and by the mention of a Savior. One Christmas several years ago, my son Mac and I, we got slowed down by an angel at Christmas time. It was at the Waffle House of all places. I bet you didn't know that angels visited Waffle Houses, but they do. We had just finished our breakfast and we were about to pay our bill. When we saw our waitress, she raced off into the back room, tears streaming down her cheeks. When I asked one of her co-workers what was wrong, I heard a wonderful story. Apparently, this waitress was a single mom. She had three sons. One of her regular customers knew her situation and had just left a $100 bill as a tip on his $7 ticket. His kindness had made the woman cry. And you know what it did? It slowed me down. 
It reminded me of what Christmas is about. You see, here's what happens to time at Christmas. It begins with a swirl of motion. But then the mention of the Savior and the reason for the season, it slows us down. I love the message of the angel. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And as if that wasn't enough to get the shepherd's attention. Notice verse 13 says that an angel... The angel was joined by a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Those that kept watch over their flocks were now watching God at work. They'd received a message from heaven, the mention of a Savior. And it took their attention off of their flocks, and it slowed them down. And it focused them on the Father in heaven and his work among men. And I believe this happens every Christmas to those who have ears to hear. God has ways of visiting us and slowing us down and reminding us of his love and grace. That he's the savior of the flock we keep. That he's penetrated our darkness with good tidings of great joy and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. You see, God's Christmas revelations, His still small voice to us, it comes through a generous patron at the Waffle House or through the innocent comments of a child or a word in a sermon or a line from a Christmas carol or maybe a few thoughts expressed in a Christmas card. But when God makes mention of His purpose, the purpose of His coming, it's time to slow down and to think it through. See, I believe that God looks for ways and moments where he can slow us all down and he can bring Christmas to our hearts. Once a successful businessman, he was speeding to work in the Christmas present that he had bought himself that year, a brand new Jag. Suddenly a brick came out of nowhere and smashed the side panel of his sports car. He slammed on the brakes, he jumped out of the car and he pounced on the kid who was the culprit He shouted and screamed. He said, what do you think you're doing, son? The little boy replied. He said, sir, I'm sorry, but I didn't know what else to do. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. It's my brother, sir. He's hurt. My brother rolled off the curb and fell out of his wheelchair into a ditch. And I can't lift him up by myself. Sir, will you help me get my brother back into his wheelchair? I mean, the businessman, he picked up the little boy's crippled brother He wiped off his wounds. Then he set him back down in the wheelchair. The man walked back to his new car with tears now streaming down his face. You see, the encounter had reminded him that Christmas is all about the love of Jesus and the love that we can show one another. It's interesting, the rich man never did repair his car. He said he left the dent in the door panel as a reminder to himself not to go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick at you to get your attention. See, Christmas is a time when we all need to slow down. Christmas time, it starts with a flurry. In the beginning, there's lots and lots of motion. But then the mention of Jesus and the meaning of Christmas, it slows time down. And as we get closer to the manger, we're called to actually stop. Stop in our tracks. To meditate and to worship on what's happened. 
You see, managing Christmas time is about motion and mention and then meditation. In one of Bill Keene's family Christmas, family circus comic strips, the children are setting up the nativity set when little Dolly, she holds up the baby Jesus and she shouts out, He's the real star of Bethlehem. And Jesus is the star of the show. Jesus is the real star of Bethlehem. Christmas time begins with motion and a myriad of activities. Hopefully at some point though, the mention of the message, the spirit of the season will slow you down and make you think. That's when there comes a moment when we stop and we look past it all and we worship. Christmas time truly climaxes with us gazing on the star. On December the 17th, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright kept, kept the first heavier-than-air flying machine aloft for an amazing 59 seconds. The two brothers were ecstatic. They sent a telegram with the news of their achievement to their sister in Dayton, Ohio. The telegram read, First sustained flight today, 59 seconds. Hope to be home by Christmas. Well, the sister, too, was excited about their invention. She ran down to the newspaper office and she handed the telegram to the editor. The next day, though, the headline read, Popular local bicycle merchants to be home for the holidays. <laughs> they missed the point of it all. Yes, the Wright boys would be home for Christmas, but the world had just been introduced to air travel. And what happened to the editor is exactly what happens to the person who experiences the motion of Christmas, maybe even hears the mention of Christ, but if you don't stop at the manger and meditate on the star of Christmas, you've completely missed the point. And understand, this baby in the manger is a reason for a long, exhaustive, and thorough meditation. If ever there was an event worthy to ponder and probe and to contemplate its implications, it's this. Christmas generates thoughts so deep you can never touch bottom. God in swaddling clothes, think about that. The infinite constrained in human threads. The voice that spoke light into existence and caused mountains to tremble is now reduced to a coo and a cry. Why did the Almighty make himself vulnerable? Why did the man maker make himself into a man? Why did the king become a pauper? Why climb down from a throne to be laid in a trough? Why did the God who dwells in inapproachable light appear under the lampshade of humanity? Why was omniscience set aside for innocence? And what does God in the flesh say about God in the world today? His desires, his heart, even his plans for our lives. These are all questions that fuel the imagination of everyone who comes to the manger and gazes on the star of Bethlehem. You see, Jesus prompts our meditation. I love Mary's reaction to all that happened that first Christmas morning. Verse 19 tells us, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, Christmas is a time to do some pondering. And then let me make another observation about those who stop their activity and meditate at the manger. In their meditation, they find peace and they find rest. Christmas time, it starts with speed and hurriedness. It slows down when we hear God's message and we take heed 
Then it stops and provides us the rest that we need. The motion tires us. The mention startles us. But then the meditation invigorates us. We lay our tired selves in the arms of God and we rest in the safety of his strength. Ruth Graham once penned the following. God rest you merry gentlemen. And in these pressured days I too would seek to be so blessed by him who still conveys his merriment along with rest. So I would beg on tired knees. God rest me merry please. And God does rest us. There's merriment at the manger. There's recovery at the manger. There's food for our soul and fresh vision for our lives at the manger. Isn't it interesting? Jesus was laid in a stone-hewn feed trough. A manger is a place where cows come to eat and to drink. It holds water and it holds food. And worshipers who stop at the Bethlehem manger and occupy themselves with Jesus, they find food for their heart and water for their soul. There's rest for the weary at the manger. That first Christmas, it was full of labor. Joseph labored to get a pregnant Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The manger was his rest stop. Mary labored in childbirth. When she laid the baby in the manger, she was resting from her labor pains. The shepherds, they'd spent all day laboring and watching over their flocks. When they arrived at the manger, they too found it to be a place of rest. And let me guarantee you, when you come to the Christmas manger, when you ponder these things, when you give it some meditation, when you contemplate all that Christmas means, you too will find God's peace and God's rest. As the angel promised, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. The meaning of Christmas, it breeds peace for the troubled. God has come. Hope has come. And not just to the world, but to your life. In fact, when this baby gets old enough to talk, guess what he says? He invites us in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, despite the bedlam at Christmas, the holiday eventually winds down. Late on Christmas Eve, maybe on Christmas Day, the stores close, restaurants, they lock their doors, businesses and offices all take a break. Our hectic lives slow down and time stops. In fact, there is a point every Christmas when time seems suspended. No other holiday has this effect on time, but Christmas does. Maybe it's midnight on Christmas Eve after you've assembled all of the toys for the kids and you've gotten everybody to bed. Or maybe it's late Christmas afternoon once the presents have been opened and everybody's preoccupied with their new gifts. But there's always a point every Christmas where life stops and time is suspended and it gets very, very quiet. This year, let me challenge you. When that moment comes, and I bet it will, don't look for something else to do. God wants your heart to pay a visit to the manger. He wants you to meditate and marvel on the baby. Take time to rest from your labors and meditate on what God has done in Christ. Take time this Christmas to worship Jesus. We're not told how long the shepherds stopped at the manger. 
Was it minutes or hours? Was it all night? Was it even a day or so? We can only speculate. But eventually, the shepherds, they moved on. Life, you see, goes on. Sheep have needs, and shepherds are called to watch over their flocks as well as visit the king's manger. The time finally came for the shepherds to resume their sheep duties and their daily responsibilities. Eventually, even Joseph and Mary moved out of the stable, and they left behind the manger. I mean, despite the wonder and marvel of the night, the sun came up the next morning, and the next, and the next. Again, life goes on. It's ironic. Even if your baby is the Son of God and gets announced by angels, once he's born... (laughs) there's still diapers to change and there's still feedings to administer even the son of God cried when he was hungry got diaper rash if he wasn't regularly changed for Joseph and for Mary Christmas was this amazing blend of the miraculous and the supernatural butted right up against the mundane and the ordinary and the everyday And you see, that's the way Christmas time, in fact, the Christian life, plays out for all of us. The worship leader who sings with the angels and ushers us all into the heavenlies, he still has to wake up in the morning and fight the traffic to get to work. I'm reminded of this every single Sunday. Garbage pickup on my street is Monday morning, really, really early. So after standing for God, Filled with the Holy Spirit, trumpeting God's truth here from the pulpit at Calvary Chapel. My last act of the day on Sunday is to roll the garbage can to the street. It's a good reminder. And this is what happened that first Christmas. Everyone at the manger who was privy to the miracle eventually had to leave and return to their regular responsibilities. But hey, no one who visited that manger was ever the same. The baby in the manger left an indelible, permanent mark on all those who had come to meditate on him. I imagine the shepherds, they probably remained shepherds, but they were shepherds now with a new mission. Not only did they keep sheep, they proclaimed divine news. Realize this, the test to see if you've really been in the Christmas spirit is the lingering aftertaste. Do the Christmas truths carry on in your heart through the winter months and the spring and the summer and even through the fall? Or do you just forget? Mary could never, ever forget. Again, verse 19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds too were never the same. Verse 20 tells us, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Christmas time, it slows down with the mention of what God was up to. It came to a screeching halt, a suspended moment of meditation. But its closing act was an eruption of praise and witness and magnification. You see, you come to the manger to ponder, but then you leave Christmas time to praise and proclaim this King of Kings. You see, here's how Christmas time should progress. At first, the hands on the clock, they spin like a pinwheel in the breeze. But then those hands, they slow down with the mention of Jesus and the meaning of the season. Finally, those hands of time, they stop 
as we meditate and as we worship the incarnate King Jesus. But eventually, you hear the tick-tock, tick-tock of responsibility again. You're needed to tighten the screw on that new bike your kid got. Or the family's hunger and they're clamoring for food. Responsibility calls and you have to leave the manger for the kitchen or for the tool shed or for work the next day. But if you've really seen the Savior, you'll never be the same. If we managed our Christmas time well, we'll leave this season rested and assured and excited and renewed. We'll return to our responsibilities, but now with a fresh love and a new hope and a stronger faith. You can't truly leave the Christmas manger without praising God for all the things you've seen and heard. Well, Christmas time, there's motion. Then there's mention, then there's meditation, and then ultimately, there's magnification. Again, in the words of John Anderson's Christmas Carol, it's so nice when Christmas time comes around each year, and it's my prayer for us all, that this Christmas time, we'll learn to make the most of our time.